Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Last Drinks Podcast, a new conversation about how to navigate an awesome life without alcohol, reframing the cultural norms around alcohol in our lives, and hosted by me, Maz Compton, sober since 2015. Sharing her story on Last Drinks podcast this week is the fabulous Laura Willoughby. Now, Laura is the co-founder of Club Soda, the mindful drinking movement in the UK, whose aim is to help people drink more mindfully and live well. Club Soda has over 100,000 individual members and runs the UK's only mindful drinking festival. Laura and her team opened the first ever pop-up alcohol-free shop in London's West End earlier in 2022. She's the co-author of How to Be a Mindful Drinker, and quite frankly, she is a huge inspiration to a lot of people. Now, the idea for Club Soda actually came from Laura's personal experience of giving up drinking 10 years ago. She is a campaigner at heart with a background in movement building and politics, and she realized that one of the big sticking points for sobriety was finding a way to support people to take their self-guided journey and change their relationship with alcohol. She has a really beautiful energy, so please enjoy Last Drinks with Laura Willoughby. And we're on! (laughs) Ah, oh, Laura the Explorer. That's what I like to call you. <laughs> ah, I don't feel like I've explored much the last few years. You've explored sobriety for a decade, my friend, which I think puts you on the Explorer's map. Absolutely. I don't actually know how I got here. <laughs> Ten years. <laughs> it's gone like a flash. Yeah, it does. It goes quick. So, Laura, can you tell me about your last drink, which was 10 years ago? I remember my last drink really well because I had decided after quite a long time, I made a very quick decision that I had been, you know, fantasizing about moderating for ages and it hadn't happened. And I'd got this stack of self-help books at the side of my bed that I still had never read and that I really needed to do something else. And that really I do all my best work when I'm with other people. And I thought I'm going to find a course, a day workshop to do. And I actually found that workshop, it was two weeks away from the date that I booked it. And it was also two weeks before my birthday. So, you know, the idea that there's never, never a good time to change your drinking. So two weeks before my birthday, I'd I'd found this course. And so I, I actually drank in the lead up to this course, but I knew that I didn't want to go to that hungover. I was very clear that I wouldn't, that I've invested this time and quite a bit of money to do that day and I wasn't going to drink so my last drink was on the Thursday evening and I'd been to the theatre with my friend Terry and we'd gone to watch What the Butler Saw by Joe Orton and then we did what me and Tell always do we go to the pub afterwards and we had um, what was my last few drinks 
And then the next day I woke up knowing that I couldn't drink on the Friday because I was going to go to this workshop on the Saturday. And, you know, I, I hadn't gone in with the idea that I was definitely going to give up for 10 years. I just knew that I had to spend a day sorting out something that I was really worried about. Did you tell your friend that you went to the theatre with that this was going to be your last little hurrah for at the time who knew you know question mark over how long that was going to last I didn't tell him but I had told the day I booked the course I actually went to a party with lots of friends and I told a number of my closest friends there it also happened to be the night that I got quite drunk kill surprise and um and bumped into and spent the night with somebody who actually then gave up drinking with me I always describe my giving up drinking as accidentally having um, done a number of really good behavior change techniques by accident. Yeah, that's a great, yes, that's an excellent way of explaining it. It is, so I I ended up, I I told friends, so I kept some accountability. I met someone who was very much like me and was willing to go the journey and, and, and do that with me. It was a new relationship. There's nothing more exciting than a new relationship to keep your mind off a of booze, eh? So, we, you know, we, all of those things, um, I put a day aside that was just for me to think about changing my drinking. So all in all, I, I accidentally did some great things that for anyone else changing their drinking, you can actually plan in and make sure that you succeed. I think it was anger that got me through changing my drinking, most of all, because the course that I booked was unethical and wrong and a terrible waste of money for... For, for so many reasons, but I came out angry and it's where the idea for Club Soda came from. Wow. Okay. Whoa. Push pause for a second. That's <laughs> so interesting. <laughs> that is so interesting. So the course that you did that you've paid money for that you are hoping is going to um, give you some tools in your toolkit on how to manage your relationship with alcohol did not live up to the expectation that you had is that true uh yes absolutely but um because I luckily by booking I had it had made me do a number of good things set a date talk to friends put a day aside find someone to give up with all of that sort of stuff so of course you can you can point to it go hey Laura that was a success so what a lot of people might not know here is that I've got a background in campaigning and local government. I was elected to local government when I was 23 and I've stood for parliament several times. I knew where all the drug and alcohol services were in my local area and I didn't want to go to them. But what I do know is what makes a good service. And so I went on this course and there were people in the room who were dependent drinkers in the room and and don't underestimate that it's really dangerous to suddenly stop drinking if your body is now dependent on alcohol. It's actually far more dangerous than any other drug. And these people were in a room with me and, you know, who I, I don't know actually whether I was dependent or not. Nobody asked. And there was no support. There was no wraparound support. There was no assessing people's needs. There was a guy next to me who'd been told by his doctor that he would die if he didn't give up drinking, but he hadn't been given any advice on how to stop safely. He was drinking at dangerous levels. And so whilst I sat in the room and somebody basically read a book to me, which is what happened, um, I at least began to do what was really important, which is, you know, an important motivator for me. I began to get very angry on everybody else's behalf. And so I came out of that room and went, well, I've now got something to do. I need to sort out 
you know, the fact that there is a completely unregulated space here around changing drinking and that anybody can set up and charge lots of money and put people at risk and danger. And don't underestimate the power of that, everybody, because when you, I was drinking too much because I ended up in a job that, um, that I hated, that didn't, they, no one cared if I turned up, which is really, really terrible for somebody who, you know, wants validation from all sorts of people in the world and wants to feel useful. Oh, don't we all? Like validation is sort of our lifeblood. Absolutely. Yeah, and I've begun to crawl out of that by getting a secondment into something far more interesting. But then when I came out of that that course, I came out with a mission as well. And I'm brilliant when I've got a mission. Um, and so uh, it... it you know, um, of course, you know, so what happened was, as I say, a lot of good behavior changed at Neeks. I began to see that beyond this comment that I had done, that there were other things that I was good at, and I could already see a problem that I could solve. So yeah. again, you know, I wasn't focusing on the not drinking, I got very focused on what it is that needed changing, and, and what my life could be if I took some responsibility for doing that. So again, Things that keep you motivated in the longer term are about living the life that you want to lead, and that's really important. What I love about your story, Laura, is I remember looking down the barrel of sobriety and our stories are, you know, quite different actually. I I drank, I think, for different reasons. I had a job that I loved, which everybody loved me in, and I still drank myself to oblivion every day. So I don't know where the happy medium with work is. But um, (laughs) probably... No, I don't think so. But I remember thinking about not drinking and going, I am going to die of boredom. Like what does one do with their time when they're not drinking? And so what I I love about your story is that you found something to almost distract yourself from the fact that you weren't drinking and you channeled your energy into creating something and you had a mission. And and that for everyone can be a different expression. So for me, I found fitness. And I, so instead of going to the pub every afternoon with my workmates, I went to the gym and I sort of joined this fitness community. And I, it's like I just did something else with my time. And Absolutely. then by the time you've you've gone to the gym, you've gone home, you've had a shower, you want to eat good food, you don't want to have six bottles of wine. For me, though, I don't describe it as finding something new. What I did is I rediscovered who I was. So I felt like I was the person I was when I moved to London in my early 20s and started getting involved in politics. I was somebody who felt that I could change the world and that nothing was impossible. And I and I now still believe that there was a period of five years when I was drinking heavily as if it was some sort of, you know, extreme sport where I was basically self-harming, where I felt nothing was possible. But what I regained, and it was really quickly after I gave up drinking, I began to think that things were possible. I could change things. I didn't know what I wanted to do next. The the possibilities were endless, to be honest, and that I could do it because suddenly I had the energy to do it again. I always, um, and you may know this as well, that politics can often be full of some very posh, well-educated boys, right? Mm-hmm. And I've always felt very um, non-polished and 
non-knowledgeable. You know, I couldn't name all the British prime ministers back to 1836 or something, which some of them could do. But what I did realise early in my political career that my superpower was the ability to talk to people and see what the problem was and to go gung-ho and try and solve it. And that's basically what I regained because when I was drinking heavily, that, that fog of a hangover, the energy that it saps from you, doesn't even allow you to look people in the eye. And conversations seem all too long and too arduous. And really quickly, I got a spring back in my step. I got a little bit of energy. It still took a good three months for it to come back fully. But I got enough energy to have lots of lovely little micro interactions on the tube and to talk to people and to realize that I was that people person that I always thought I was. And all I'd done was hidden her away for five years. And and everything seems possible when you're able to look someone in the eye and have a conversation and listen to them and hear what they have to say. And I guess I got very intoxicated by that feeling very quickly. You've got to figure out what makes you tick and why you're drinking in the first place. Like that's question one. Like, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this to the point where it's unmanageable or it's hurting me or it's hurting my family or I've lost all of these things? And so to have that level of self-awareness, some people have it inbuilt in them. Some people learn it from watching Oprah, um, like myself, um, and, and other people can learn it from hearing two people have a conversation about their sobriety journey. Self-awareness, looking yourself in the mirror and figuring out who truly you are are you cool with that person and what expression do you want to make next is I think like one of the basics. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because politics, just like anything else, can sweep you up and you're caught up in it without really thinking. And I would say my self-awareness was quite poor. My ability to deal with emotions was quite poor. Um, and that's quite common with people who have been drinking since they were 14 because you've dealt with every emotion through the lens of alcohol. But... I guess what it did do very quickly was establish for me that some of the hunches, some of the things, because you know when things are going wrong and you drink more and more, you like to think that it's everything else that's going wrong and not alcohol. So I kept thinking, oh no, maybe I'm in the wrong industry and this isn't what I do and I'm not a people person, I'm not a campaigner and la la la. Really quickly, the fact that within a week of giving up drinking, I'd whipped up a petition for something and made me realise that this is what I do and I actually really enjoy it. Um, and so that's not the bit that's wrong. It's other bits that were wrong. Um, one of them being the drinking, but also, um, you know, my uh, my inability to, to do any self-care because I always felt like I had to look after other people. That's still something I struggle with. But, you know, and it was that lack of self-care that meant I didn't really think through, um, think through, you know, how different parts of my the industry I was in were impacting on me. And, you know, equally, I'd got to an age where all of my friends were off having babies and babies was not something that I ever wanted. But there's something really weird about being in that in-between land between, you know, you're not in your 20s anymore and clubbing every night, but there's nothing that's drawing you home because you don't have any caring responsibilities. So you can carry on living that life, but also you just keep, you know, drinking heavier and, 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 doing it unsustainably and somehow you know where do your evenings go now while everyone else is having kids so I guess there's a it's a few sort of lifestyle things and life change things that began to help me see that you know there was another way to live and it didn't have to involve staying up until one in the morning drinking you know small cans gin and tonic that I'd picked up on the way home after being to the pub 
Mm. Yes. Yeah, it's the little, I like to call them those little tweaks. Like you make these refinements and adjustments and these tweaks along the way, I think, once you've made that, you know, that big kind of commitment. I I describe it like a hundred little epiphanies. Yeah, it really is. I'm still having them now, you know. I still think, oh, wow, you know, this is me now. And, oh, I had that feeling and that's what that means. And isn't it exciting just to be awake this early on a morning and do this with my friends that I would never have done before. And, yeah, lots of like 100 little epiphanies. That, I love that. That's so beautiful because it's so true. And I'm seven and a half years sober and I feel exactly the same. Those little epiphanies, those little sort of, it's, I call it's for me, it's a progressive revelation. I'm like, I'm consistently progressing and I have all of these new fresh revelations about who I am, you know, how, how I want to be in, in this world. Um, and I feel better and better year on year. Like the compounded benefits of sobriety are, it's quite difficult to articulate in a way because they're so good and there's so many. They are exactly the opposite to alcohol, which is that we always focus on the hangovers and go, oh, well, you know, at least hangovers are only a day. But nobody realises that really it's the, the compound impact of alcohol on you, that cumulative impact that, that is actually doing the most damage, uh, whether it be to your eyes and your teeth, you know, to your hair, to your skin, to your metabolism. There isn't a bit of your body it's not affecting, but we seem to focus on that little bit that's called the hangover. And you're right, the, the flip side when you give up drinking is, is, is the, the benefits of not drinking are also cumulative. Yeah, they, I didn't actually think of it like that before, but yeah, alcohol really is the opposite of this experience that I'm having. But we don't look at it like that. We don't look at it as like we, we kind of give it a different scale, I suppose. Um, so one thing I want to just focus on in your story, Laura, because you have you have created Club Soda UK and it's a community for the sober curious. It's a community for people um, in sobriety and it is just huge in the UK and it offers so much hope, so much help to so many. And what I just want to address really and ask how you feel about it is none of that would exist and it's a whole community that helps tens of thousands of people that doesn't exist unless you take your last drink 10 years ago no I know and and also looking at where club soda's got to I had no idea you know last week I was named as one of the top 100 people in drinks in the UK now uh drinks isn't where I expected to have my expertise in once I gave up drinking but of course um you know, finding a good alcohol-free drink was a campaign that I started. So if you ever want to understand how club soda is shaped, remember that I've got a politics background. And very quickly, I saw where the levers of change might be. Everyone moaned about there not being a good drink when they were out. And I thought, well, let's do something about that. And, you know, and things are beginning to change. So yeah, club soda doesn't happen without it. But for me, you know, it's a mixture Club Soda is about um, taking you on the journey, whatever journey you want to go on. We don't set your goal, whether it's to cut down, stop for a bit or quit or just dive into our content and read so that you can take some time to reflect. It's not my job to tell anybody what to do, but to offer the support when you've decided you want to take some action. And that was the most important thing about Club Soda, but also that it was very much rooted 
in in my values. So I've already talked about the fact that I feel like I regained the values that I had when I was in my early 20s. Club soda is certainly rooted in there. It's a it's an attitude that's about, you know, using behavior change science, only using positive behavior change techniques, only using tools that develop self-efficacy. So it doesn't matter if you come to Club Soda and you stay a week or you're skirting around the edges for months, you will continue to learn. And that learning, whenever you want to deploy it, will help you get to where you want to go. I love that. And it is, it's, it helped me in those early days when I was tinkering around and trying to find information. And I didn't find anything that resonated really with me when I was thinking about not drinking. The more of the stories and the communities we can share and expose to other people, the more people are going to get help. And whatever that help looks like, whatever frame that is in for you, that's fine. Sober curiosity is one of my favorite places in life for people because you you can be you and potentially if you're listening to this and you are sober curious and you want to reframe your relationship with alcohol, you could be on the verge of changing absolutely everything you ever knew and you can create something that doesn't exist and that's amazing. And it doesn't have to be on a global scale either. It can just be changing your relationship with your kids and and being a better parent and that is going to change their world and then the next you know generation that come along and you just don't know how how pivotal sober curiosity is for for a lot of people and and that's why I think it's so important to just have have these conversations and let people know there are resources there are communities we we've walked the walk we're still walking the walk and and it's a good walk to walk yeah everyone needs to know that the sky doesn't fall in and also what I love for me, and I use the term mindful drinking as a, as a phrase to describe a really broad church. So people who have never drunk before are, you know, are mindful drinkers as well. People who are not drinking because they're driving, people who are not drinking because they're pregnant. When you begin to take that wider community into perspective, um, then you've got a community of quite a large size. In the UK, that's a really big population when you take in anyone who's moderating, anyone who doesn't drink for religious reasons, anyone who's not drinking because they're going to the gym tomorrow. And that community of size can exercise quite a lot of change, even if it's just about what's served in pubs and bars. And if we change what's served in pubs and bars and we make it easier for everybody to drink less or to make better choices when they're out, and if they get to make better choices, they might not spiral into the place that you or I went to because there were options that were nice, that made you feel included, that felt that you were having an equal experience. So sometimes it's also, you talk about the fact that what you can do is change change the world by changing your relationship with somebody in your family. You can do that by, you know, just asking in the pub every time you go, you know, what alcohol-free drinks have you got? Because you might make it better for the person who comes after you. There are lots of small changes we can make just by being, existing and asking the questions. And, you know, and by talking to other people that we would never have noticed before, all those people who never drank, I never knew they even existed, but they were always there. Who knew? So, you know, we, we get to... We get to change the world along the way and what you do this year in your sobriety or in your mindful drinking may be different to what you do next year in your mindful drinking. You know, I didn't lose weight till year three and then I put it on again and I've lost it again and I've put it on again, but that's okay. Losing it in the first place would never have happened if I hadn't have changed my drinking. 
I'd never have the relationship I have now if I hadn't have changed my drinking, you know, and I, I wouldn't be able to deal with half the things I'd done if I hadn't have changed my drinking. They haven't all been brilliant things I've had to deal with, but certainly they were dealt with better than through the lens of alcohol. And I think that, you know, uh, dipping into communities and finding things that resonate for you is really important. There is no one size fits all. Whenever I, the you know, whenever I think of the advice that I've read or heard that I share with people, they come from so many different sources. Um, and that's because they resonate with me and I find them easier to explain to other people, um, you know, because they resonated with me. And so, you know, it's like a massive pick and mix. You just need to dive in there and, and digest everything and see what works for you. But most importantly, work out the life that it, you want it to give you because that's what stops you from focusing on what you're missing and focuses you on what you're gaining. A hundred percent. So well articulated. It's like you've been saying these things before, Laura. <laughs> Just a bit. When you decide, so when you had your last, you went to the theatre, you had that last night out and you knew that it was going to be your last night out for a little bit. Well, not your last night out, your last alcoholic beverage for a little bit. Yeah. Were you worried about losing friends? I It wasn't something that I had considered because I think I was already losing friends because I was getting messy on a night out and I was embarrassing myself and I was ashamed of myself and I was bored of myself. In fact, you know, most of all, I was really frightened of that. I'm very lucky in that I, most of my friends, I have something else in common with, which is politics and so, and, you know, there's nothing gobbier than a sober woman. That's all I can tell you. Um, so <laughs> I'm a bigger pain in the ass now that I'm sober than I was when I was drunk. So it didn't shut me up. It just made me more <laughs> articulate and have a great time in the pub, you know, asking pubs for alcohol-free drinks or asking them for pints of hot water so I could make a tea or any of that sort of stuff. I found it a very amazing act of rebellion, which I fully appreciate isn't the case for everybody else because most people just want to belong and not to stand out in a crowd. But for me, you know, um, I didn't lose friends. And I, it, I, it also helps to say, because I've learned this from our members over the years, which is losing friends and making new friends is still one of the hardest things for people to do. And I feel very lucky that I... I, I love meeting new people and I, I love introducing people to each other. And so I now realise that lots of people are anxious in social situations. So I will always try and sweep everybody up and go and speak to the people that are on their own and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I can tell you that the friendships that you make will be deeper and richer than the ones you had before. And there's nothing to be afraid of. Making friends is one of the most wonderful things you can do in the world. And it's a real shame that we've learned that the only way that we could possibly do that is by being half cut. Society's taught us that. And I think that's a real shame. So whilst it might feel hard and it will take some practice, it is worth, you know, learning how to bring more people into your life to make it richer. And you'll find that friends that even moved away from you because they didn't like your drinking will come back. And that's really lovely. That's so beautiful, and I and I sort of echo that sentiment. I, I say it's it's hard, but it's worth it. 
you know, I don't think anybody comes to sobriety and they're like, oh, that was a cinch. Because if if that was the case, you know, we probably wouldn't have alcohol dependency disorders and grey area drinkers and and all of the the labels that have been created to to frame what our relationships with alcohol look like. It's hard. It, it's hard. But man, it is so worth it. It is so worth just challenging yourself to see life through sober eyes just for a blink and then tell me you don't like it. You know, that's what I say to people. I'm like, if your relationship with alcohol is okay, give it up anyway and then tell me it's not better without, you know, tell me that your days aren't brighter. Yeah, what's the worst that can happen? Not drinking isn't going to do you any harm, is it? So why not give it a whirl, right? You know, and and see what happens and see what, what experiencing it feels like. I'd always suggest that people do three months rather than one because, you know, that uh, it takes that long for the alcohol to get out your system and for you to begin to feel the real impacts of not drinking. And I have to say, if you, I mean, at three months, I was volunteering on the Olympics. I felt like I was an athlete. It was something I desperately wanted to do. I never thought I was going to be able to get to the Olympic Park for 6am in the morning, but I was there bright and breezy, you know, chauffeuring athletes all around the Olympic Park. And it just felt amazing because it was at my three month mark and my energy had just come back. And honestly, I did, you know, I thought, these athletes have got nothing on me. I've just given up drinking. (laughs) I love that. You're like this superhero. There's a superhero locked in there all along, Laura. I could, I could never have dealt with, like, oh, the American tennis team. You could never deal with them if I was hungover. That would never have happened. Oh, bless. Well, look, thank you so much for sharing your story. I love what you have started and created, and I know it has changed so many people's lives for the better. And um, I'm in in that sense. I'm so grateful for our connection, and I love, you know, I love that sobriety for me has connected me to the other side of the world. Um, and and I tap into the Mindful Drinking Festival, and I feel very very privileged to be, you know, um, included in your fold. I think what you do is amazing, and I just know, like, the reason that I'm doing this podcast is because I just want anyone to connect with anyone's sobriety story so that they can go on that journey for themselves because we know it's hard but it's worth it so thank you Laura and thank you for having me on and you know I think collaboration is is the thing that can change the world so by doing podcasts with each other and supporting each other's work and you know and you've been so generous with your time in helping us with our our mad festivals that we've done online during lockdown and all that sort of stuff but you know when you see people all in this space working towards the same goal and then you put them all in one place together to share their expertise, it is quite something special. And if if I can do that, because, you know, I love doing that, it makes me really excited to bring people together to collaborate, then that's also really exciting. And you should see your sobriety as a collaboration. It's a collaboration with with the real you that's that's desperate to come out and it's a collaboration with people that have been there before you and it's a collaboration with the people that are you know you're going to come come into your orbit as you progress through life and you will enjoy it because that's you know connecting with other people is a wonderful thing to do 
Thanks for listening to Last Drinks Podcast. If you love this podcast, then subscribe. For more inspiration and to reach out, you can follow us on Instagram at Last Drinks Pod. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs>